0: Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us a mild summer so far. Even though it's still hot in Texas, other hot issues in our world in this pandemic help us to forget the weather and focus on you more than ever. Now, as we read your words, teach us to walk closer to you today as you lead and guide us. In the name of our good and great shepherd, Jesus, we all pray. Amen. Let's read 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verse 1 to 6. Chapter 10, verse 1 to 6. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not of the weapons of the world, on the contrary. They have divine power to demolish the strongholds. We demolish argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Starting today, we're going to reflect on what Pauline scholars say, the final section of the letter. That is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 to 13. Like some other letters, Paul brings out the theme of spiritual warfare in the final section of the letter. For instance, in Romans 13, verse 12, Paul said this: The night is nearly over, day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of a light. Put on the armor of a light. Armor means warfare. You put on armor when you are in the war. And Paul actually talks about the theme of a warfare from the beginning. His first letter he wrote, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8, Paul said this, since we belong to the day, once again the theme of the day and the warfare against the darkness comes out. Let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Paul talks about different parts of armor in his first letter. And later in the Ephesians chapter 6, he gives us a full description of a spiritual armor. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord in His mighty power. Put on the full arm of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So today, Paul tells us two important things about spiritual battle. The weapons and objective, our spiritual battle. The verse 3, Paul said, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are the divine power to demolish stronghold. So first of all, Paul said we do not fight our battle with the weapons of the world, but we fight with the divine power. Our fight is not against the flesh and blood, but against the principalities, powers, and forces of darkness, according to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. It means our fight is not physical, but spiritual. It is a fight of a spirit against the flesh. What we are fighting is not for material gain or self-gratification or self-promotion. But our fight is all for the glory of God and goodness and greatness of His love. Thus, we don't hate those who oppose us or those who hate us but we hate the strongholds of sin in their hearts that oppose God and His reign. So we don't hate sinners, but we hate the demonic blindness in sinners that imprison their hearts and souls away from God. And we know that God loves them, and His love is far more powerful than anything in this world. God's love is relentless, reckless, and resilient. As his love raised his son from the dead, his love will raise us over the strongholds of selfishness and carnal pleasures and false power and hollow pride. God's love never fails, and his unfailing love is our weapon for our battle. Amen. Now, Paul tells us what is the objective of our fight. He talks about objective, or goal of our fight. Verse 4, at the end, Paul said, We have a divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The objective of our spiritual warfare is to make every thought captive, and obedient to Christ. For that, Paul calls us a demolish argument. By the way, he used the word demolish back to back. First, with demolishing the stronghold, second, demolish the argument and every pretension that is against the knowledge of God in Christ. According to Paul, strongholds we must demolish are all ideas, arguments, philosophies, worldviews that set themselves up against the knowledge of true God. Paul knew what he was talking about here. The world of ancient Greece, Turkey, Syria, Palestine was teeming with religions and cult and philosophies and teachings and dark magics and high-flown wisdom, arcane rituals and passionately held traditional beliefs. But they are only one place. I mean, there was only one place where the power of true God, the creator of the world, has been fully and finally unveiled. That was in the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah. Paul was not here. We need to recognize that not content to offer people a new religious experience, another option to be added to rich pluralism his world already knew. Paul was saying here, That Paul was, and Christ is not another option, but the only option or only good news, only truth, only veritas of God that gives humanity a real lasting hope. So here, I want us to notice that Paul's goal is to take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. Here, we need to recognize that Paul did not tell us to kill or destroy every thought. But capture it and converted it to obey Christ. So, what does it mean to capture every thought and make it obey to Christ? The best way to explain this is to briefly share Laga's theology of the first century church fathers. Laga's theology is one of the earliest theology in the, in the uh, in Christian tradition. We all know that Apostle Paul. Apostle John introduced the Lagos theology in his gospel. In John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, there was a word in Greek that was a Lagos. that word or Lagos was with God, and the Lagos was God. And later in verse fourteen, John said, "Lagos became a flesh and dwelt among us. The infleshed lagos, or the word in uh, uh, in in the flesh was a Jesus, the incarnate Son of God. Those of you who took the Livingstone Bible study, do you remember the Lagos was a Greek principle of a cre- Greek principle or, or a creative force or principle of the universe. To Greeks, the universe is not random but rational. And John was saying the universal is more than rational. Actually, universal is personal because Jesus is the ultimate Lagos, the creator of the universe. Now, early church fathers, like John, and uh, later, the Justin Martyr and Irenaeus of uh, uh, Leon, they they kind of uh, uh, developed this, uh, uh, John's idea of uh, Lagos in the father. And there are two kinds of uh, Lagos, Lagos of God. One is called the partial Lagos, Lagos spermaticus, which is uh, Lagos that scatters around the world. And the other one is a complete final Lagos that God showed in Christ. And they call it Lagos Prophoricus, or uttered word of God. Now, first Lagos. By that, early Christians believed that every truth is God's truth. No matter who spoke it or who taught it. All truths are God's truths. All truths belong to God. Because God is the ultimate source of truth. But this Lagos... This natural partial logos is also tainted with a demonic corruption of the fall of a humanity. And also it is tainted with a demonic distortion. It actually suffers the demonic distortion. So Paul is saying, and the John and the early Christians, they're all saying, it is a Christian mission and call to save this a partial truth in all cultures and philosophies to reconcile them, with the ultimate truth of God in Christ. This Lagos theology has a very important missional and ethical implication for all of us. And here we see that Christianity is different from Islam. You know, Islam denies any goodness in any non-Islamic culture and tradition. You know, they perceive a non-Islamic culture as an object of destruction. That's why, the Islam, they insist only Arabic language and culture is true and everything else is to be demolished. And that's why the ISIS, they, they demolished that, that uh, you know, that uh, uh, 2,500 years old, that, the Buddha, you know, the statue of a Buddha. You know, it's Christianity, on the other hand, from the early days has affirmed different cultures and traditions. Christianity, in a way, is the safest way to help people to navigate in the pluralistic world. We affirm other traditions in their good points and invite them to see their completion of their culture and their tradition with the gospel of Christ. All good human intentions and rational in their philosophies and religions are good but limited. If they think they are perfect, They are in danger. For instance, loving parents or filial love is a high Confucian ideal, but this is not ultimate ideal. Bible tells us or calls us to honor our parents in the Lord. Without Christ, filial love or filial devotion becomes an idol to oppress us. You know, filial devotion without Christ can break the family rather than bless them. So how do we take a captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ? We must know the heart of God and thought of Christ for us. In other words, we need to dig deeper in God's word and study and prayers and honest fellowship with other like-minded Christians to know how much God loves us and how great God is. Once again, that's why we take Gusha College seriously and we, we, we stubbornly insist the people to take classes and challenge people who took the class to teach them to others. The call to take captive every thought must start with each one of us, Christians first. Any thought and any plan of ours that is not fully obedient to Christ, who wants to glorify God and serve others with God's love, we must confront and correct. Until every thought in our prayer says, Not my will, but your will be done. Because your love is greater and purer than anything, including mine. We fight on our knees. And we attack our plans and purposes until they fully become God's plans and purposes. Let us make our limited thought and incomplete love complete and divine in Christ today. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, you capture our hearts with your heart, revealed in your Son, We are so grateful for delivering us from our false ideas and deceptive thoughts of the world. We confess that we still fall into the corruptive and selfish propaganda of the world. The devil still lies to us that if we don't love ourselves first and foremost, we will be in trouble. Deliver us from false fear and dark selfishness and lead us into the light of your never-ending love and the ever-amazing grace. In the precious name of Jesus, who saved us and protects us from the spiritual strongholds today, we pray, Amen.